Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast. The Sub-Zero Coffee Podcast is back. It is back. And I'm so thrilled that it is back and thrilled to be back talking to everyone. And I've got a wonderful guest today. Today's guest is Julian Markovic, who is who hosts the Brew Methods Coffee Publication, is how I'll address it. Um, you may have seen it on Instagram. I, I know a few, uh, a lazy 100,000 others have. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Julian. So happy to have you. Thank you, Kirk. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know what? Julian, Julian and I are face-to-face, which is something Melburnians haven't been able to say for quite a long time. I think the last podcast we were just, you know, was almost exclusively about how we can't go and see other people. <laughs> yeah. And now, now we're back, so, you know. It's, it's like the weekly treat at the moment. It's the weekly podcast. treat. Yeah, well, how, how good's being able to go to someone's I house? Know. Oh, mate. It's fantastic. So, uh, but you know, this isn't a coronavirus podcast. This is the Sub Zero Coffee Podcast, and we've got Julian Markovic for one night only. So, welcome, Julian. Thank you. What's been happening with you? Oh, yeah, just you know, getting surviving. Back into work. Yeah. yeah, getting back into work, um, which is really nice. Work is really picking up. Um, oh, yeah, let's, just let's, enjoying let's, the freedom. Let's, let's you know, we need to address that. Where do you work? Okay, so I. Do a couple of things. My main gig is uh, working at Lacale Coffee Roasters as the Victoria Business Development Manager. Um, and I also run, as you said earlier, the Brew Methods Coffee Publication, which I do, I guess, out of my main working hours, um, almost as a full-time gig. Uh, so that keeps me fairly busy. <laughs> Starting your business, it's just like signing your life away, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, so do you yeah. enjoy not having a life? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's one way to put it. We'll, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get to all that. We'll get to all that. <laughs> but um, usually, how we start the podcast mm. is, I mean, I need to I need to jog my own memory here because it's been a, it's been a while, Julian. I'm, I've been out <laughs> of the game, but um, <laughs> we, we like to introduce the person. And privately, you've told me about a little bit about yourself, and yep. I think this is you know introducing you and in the genesis of that mm. is, of Julian Markovic. Um, is you know this is going to be the highlight of the podcast so where were you born so huh, i was born um you know uh well maybe i'll start with with my background my background is i guess serbian i sort of identify as former yugoslavian former yugoslavian because yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore but anyway i was born in uh in a in a little uh coastal town called nelm which sits inside Bosnia. Um, so th- the story basically was that, uh, have you heard much of the, the Balkan War that happened in the 90s? No, well, I mean, like loosely, but I... Loosely, yeah. I, I should just say no. That's totally fine. And I'm not necessarily Wikipedia. I don't know so much about it. Um, but and, and because my parents didn't really want to expose me to that side because it was a very heavy time. Um, and they wanted me to kind of grow up without judgment, uh, and I'm glad they did because I consider myself a, <laughs> a fairly, uh, you know, fair person. Uh, I treat everybody the same. Um, but yeah, the Balkan War was uh, was a war that uh, was a war between uh, the founding countries of Yugoslavia. Um, they were all at war, and it was over land. I'm sure that there was some religious motive behind it as well. Um, so yeah, growing up in in Nelm, I think I was one or two years old where uh, political pressure was was 
um, building up um, and minorities and we were considered a minority uh, where there was a lot of pressure on minorities to to get out so minority being you were identified by religion per se or? Um, bit of that a bit of uh, bit of race or background I mean I, I don't want to get into it um, people can <laughs> more than happy to do your own research if you will but we were considered minorities there as were a lot of other people um, so one day uh, there was yeah so that the pressure was building you know there was people feeling unsafe. Minorities were feeling unsafe. Um, like my mum would go to work and she could hear people gossiping, for example. My dad, same story with my dad. Uh, and, yeah, one day um, my dad got approached by some people um, who were carrying guns uh, in, in their pocket, you know, through their jacket. And they said, you know, if you're still here you know, in the next you know, few days, we're going to kill you. So without hesitation... Uh, my parents uh, decided we had to leave. Um, and and so you were how old at this stage? I was I was a baby. I was one or two years old. And I can't remember a thing. Now yeah. you you look like you're about eighteen years old, but oh. just what, what what year was this for context? Uh, this was nineteen ninety or ninety one. Yeah, which was just before the Balkan War began. Um, and before it began, there was just a lot of tension between neighboring countries, neighboring republics. So, um, my mum, who is from a, a small country town uh, in Bosnia, um, it's called Modrica, um, she still had her family home there. So, she said, why don't we go to our family home? So, we basically fled. Um, we packed everything up into, into the car, all the essentials, which we're quite accustomed to essentials now, having been in uh, <laughs> COVID. But uh, basically, we packed everything up and uh, we just drove to Modrica, which is, yeah, a really small town. Um, and there, we basically there as refugees were you know, fleeing from the war, victims, victims of war in that sense, because we knew it was going to come and break out. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we arrived there when I was still a baby. Um, and then next thing you know, there was talk of the war coming to Modrica as well. So after six months, um, it was quite evident that it was going to come. Um, my, my dad, who was, uh, who was a male, and at the time, or even today still, everyone who was a male, you know, over the age of 18, under the age of whatever, has to go to the army to fight. Um, so it was expected of him to be a soldier. But nobody wants to go to war, especially when you've got two young kids. So I have a, I have a brother who's a year older than me. Um, and, yeah, we heard that, you know, it was going to come to Modric, that part of town. And um, my parents then decided, shit, we got to get out of here. So we again packed up everything uh, and we migrated to Germany. So my, my uncle, my mum's brother, has a... I was living in Germany already, so he sort of helped us out with that transition. Um, and, yeah, we became refugees in Germany, which is quite different to the way some, like a lot of people think as refugees as being completely homeless. Uh, and, you know, that's partly true. Um, it just depends on the country, country you're in or in the state of that country that you're in. So we went to Stuttgart, which I guess their, their policy is a little bit different. Um, so they allowed my parents to, to work, to find work. Um, 
to contribute to society, to the economy. Um, and my parents were both educated. Um, but at the time, you know, the only job you're going to really get is the job that people don't want to do. So my parents were, were lucky enough to have work and uh, they, they were cleaners there. Um, so, yeah, we were refugees in Germany for, for five years altogether with, uh, with two options um, because we weren't allowed to stay there forever. That's, that, that was the, the policy uh, with Stuttgart at the time. So it was either you go back to where you came from or you try something else. Um, but we didn't really have anywhere, get anywhere to go back to. Um, so um, in, back in Modrica, it was the war did eventually come to there. Um, and, you know, quite fortunate that there were no uh, bombs dropped on the house, but um, with so many different armies coming through, um, people still use the space um, for themselves. And it was, you know, you couldn't call it home anymore. So I think my mum made a trip uh, back to back back home uh, after that time, and some of the things that she said was like, "Oh, you know, they'd lit a bonfire in the lounge room." So her her mum where her mum passed away. Sorry, her her the graveyard had been bombarded, so her her tombstone was uh, sort of demolished. Um, so the war did come there. So we really didn't have anywhere to go back to, um, and my parents didn't want to go back there anyway. My dad was facing prosecution because he didn't go to, he didn't fight as a soldier, which is a criminal offence. And it's crazy, right? Uh, we're pretty yeah, fortunate. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound too appealing to go back to it, to be honest. No, it is. Uh, well, exactly. Um, so following several applications to, uh, to come to Australia uh, as, as refugees, you know, finally and luckily we were accepted. Uh, there was a huge number of people applying to come to Australia at the time. Um, so it was because of numbers that we just couldn't come. So this is what, 1995? 19, well, we came in 97. 97. But my parents were applying as soon as we arrived in Germany, which was 92. Um, yeah, so and you, got in, and you yeah. got in just in time because um, the, uh, the Australian government right now, is, and you would... I mean, being a refugee, perhaps you have sort of knowledge of this and follow it yourself, is we've got a bit of a, to uh, a policy of torturing oh. people who seek asylum. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we won't go too much into that. I can, I can, I can see <laughs> in your face that you know that, that it sort of um, – that it, um, it, it, it's horrible mm. and we break international law to send people who come here seeking safety to, a, mm. to an island where they get – uh, below human rights standards, care, and mm. um, it's just absolutely awful. So um, take a bow, Australian government. But um, <laughs> I digress. This is we, – we, we'll, I think that's an incredible story. You've come in 1997. Yeah. And so you were seven years old at the time, I'm assuming. Very good maths. Yeah, keep, <laughs> I'm trying to keep a track of it. <laughs> um, and so what, do your parent, what did your parents do – when we came, when you came, yeah. Um, so we we came with the uh, um, with uh, being able to my parents uh, with the condition to eventually become Australian citizens, um, and that process takes two years altogether. So yeah. you have to you have to come to the country. You have to you know start working, or you just have to start your life. So my parents went to English school. They learned how to speak English. Uh, my dad 
having worked in hospitality, uh, he quickly found a job in hospitality. Um, my mum wasn't so fortunate. She was a primary school teacher, um, very smart woman, very educated, but unfortunately, you know, not knowing the language as well, um, wasn't able to find work. So she worked in factories for quite a long time. Um, unfortunately, now she, she actually studied to become a librarian online while working at factories, which is hard work. So, you know, hats oh, off to her. Yeah. And now she's happily working in a library. Um, well, that's excellent. Someone, yeah. Someone's operating someone's this. Right. Sorry, you had to do it while, <laughs> while we're doing the Sub-Zero pot coffee podcast. I'll just shut that window. <laughs> I thought it was your music coming on, but uh, no, it wasn't the music. Yeah, no. Anyway, so all right, So your mother became a librarian. That's mm. excellent. Um, and so we'll get to, the, we'll get to a, a little bit of the coffee stuff now. We will. Oh, we'll, uh, wait. But first. Yes. What are your inter- interests outside of coffee? So, uh, yeah. You know, you know, what do you, what do you do? You know, you have no life. We established that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you and I both like. But what are your interests outside of coffee when you do majestically get a day off? Right. Okay. Well, um, it's it's tough. I'm, I'm probably a boring person. And, and working in coffee, and I know you're probably the same, coffee sort of translates into other parts of our lives. Um, you know, a lot of my social um, circle is around coffee, um, but at the same time, it's not. Um, I, and I guess sort of my appreciation for wine uh, and all things tasty and culinary, I guess I can um, you know, attribute to coffee. Um, but I guess my interest outside of coffee, I've always grown up uh, really curious about the natural world. Um, unfortunately, not when I was in high school because I don't think I really had the capacity to grasp some of these crazy concepts um, but yeah, just a real keen interest on the universe in general, um, science, you know, astrophysics, um, physics, I find just really, really fascinating. Um, and had I not gotten into coffee or had I just had more wit growing up, I probably would have studied physics or something because it's super interesting. But uh, so yeah, a lot of my time, in my spare time, I'm listening to podcasts and just doing a bunch of research on on the laws of nature <laughs> yeah right well i mean that's definitely not me like my 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 standard day is like checking the nfl stats or nba <laughs> stats anything sport related um reading the news i'm you know pretty into my politics so, yeah absolutely so you're actually a lot more exciting to me like <laughs> you you are interested in things that actually matter would be and that's not to say that people who are interested in sport or politics don't your interests don't matter that's i'm not saying that but you know Yours are a bit more, you know, <laughs> objective. Objective. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. You don't realise how important some of these topics are until you start to look into them. Um, and, tri- and attributing a lot of the, the, science the, the sciences that have and the technology that has come from just understanding E equals MC squared, for example, and how it you know, affects your everyday life. For example, just using a GPS is very much reliant on that equation. Mm. Uh, so I think that's incredible. Um, so outside of coffee, yeah, a little bit of that. Um, I, I like to play a bit of chess. Science, food, chess. We've got a Catan board, right? Like we're in my lounge room. This is a Catan <laughs> board right now. If you feel like losing a game of Catan after we've finished recording, <laughs> I, I, can, I can definitely sort you out. But uh, <laughs> So you're a chess player? Uh, no, I'm not a chess player, but I'm interested in chess. It's something that I've recently gotten into um, and... 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I watched a Netflix series called The Queen's Gambit, which is actually a move in chess. Um, and there I learned that there are a lot of different moves in chess, chess and variations to play. And I think that's uh, it's really interesting. So I've been uh, thoroughly enjoying my chess games uh, before bed uh, in my quiet patches throughout the day. So yeah. bit of chess. All right, so what were were you doing anything before you were working in coffee? I was, yeah, at uh, university. <laughs> what what did, what did you study? I was studying exercise science mm-hmm. and human movement, so very different to coffee. Um, growing up, I was I was very much into sport as well. I wasn't so much following sport on TV, um, but I'd played soccer all my life. Um, and I was very interested in sports science. Have you got like a team in soccer that? Not really, so. to be honest. No, like g- having grown up sort of in Germany, um, you inherently will will love soccer because mm. everybody plays soccer there. And there, I had a keen interest. But when we came to Australia, um, it was the culture was a little different. Um, Do you have an AFL team? Uh, AFL prob- for, AFL for those listening in overseas is the Australian football. World. <laughs> it's like if you Google Aussie rules, you'll see they call it aerial ping pong. But have, yeah. you, got, have you got a team? Uh, doggies, yeah, doggies. The doggies. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't support them like a fanatic. Um, I don't really watch footy, but you know, I'll watch the grand final. That's probably the most of it. Um, yeah. I'll listen in to see what's happening, but uh, not an active follower of most sports. Australian Open when it's on in Australia because I think it's a great sport and the players are just incredible. But other than that, not really into watching sport, but I love playing sport. For <laughs> anyone tuning in interstate or overseas to the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast, you now go for the Carlton Blues. <laughs> so, you know, a few more. Car- <laughs> Google Carlton Blues. They are now your team. All right, so before you were working coffee, you studied exercise science. Did you have a job in I the did. field? Yeah. Oh, not so much in the field, but I worked in I worked in retail, and I worked in uh, a shop called Sports First, which is sort of like a like a sports co, or a rebel sport. So, for anyone not listening in Australia, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing the honors for you, Kirk. Um, yeah, you sell sporting apparel and things like that. So, you know, I had a job in retail once at a shoe shop. At a shoe shop, yeah. And within a week, I figured out that I absolutely hated it. And it was, <laughs> it was my first job, actually. Really? And so... Yeah. yeah. And I was 15. I sold a lot of shoes, too. Well, oh, I was 15 at the time, so I thought... I didn't have the balls to quit. <laughs> so I thought, right, I've got to get myself fired. <laughs> so, so I did absolutely everything I could. To, it was like... A, it, it, it felt like a George Costanza sort Love of... It. You know, in hindsight, like a way of getting fired. But I did yeah. everything I could. I was just the most incompetent person. And it took them far too long to fire me. Oh, my me. God. They probably felt sorry for you and thought, no, we should give this young Kirk a chance. <laughs> well, they were too kind. But, you know, any, anyhow, so back to you. The So you were working in the sports power. Anything else after that? Um, not so much. So I guess, yeah, outside of coffee, yeah, working in, um, uh, working in retail, at uni, studying exercise science and human movement. I quickly realised I wasn't so much enjoying uni. I, I thought maybe it's the course I'm doing, so I changed to a completely different course. I studied business information systems, which is sort of the IT side of business, a little bit of coding, a little bit of everything. Um, didn't enjoy that either. Uh, but uh, at the time, um, this is sort of leading into your next question, um, is, is when my friends conned me into... 
getting a job in a cafe that they were Oh, hold on. At. Let me ask a question then. Let me ask a question. You're, you're, you're too good of a guest. You're, oh. you're, you're one of the guests that's actually prepared. Sorry, I listen to I, too many podcasts. I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not having to go at any of the other previous guests, but, you know, you've fully got the laptop out. You've got the questions that I sent you. You know, I prep for these, believe it or not. Um, I'm going to ask the question, sure. how did your coffee career begin? So, my, my excellent friends at the time who were working in a cafe... Uh, and talking about all their amazing latte art skills. This was in 2009. Conned me into getting a job uh, at a cafe which was at Melbourne Airport. Melbourne um, Airport. Yep. That it was crazy. So when I was working at the Sa- for St. Ali, we opened mm. a store at the airport. Oh, yes. You know, good store. That. You know, yep. did a great job. Make great coffee and all that sort of stuff. But our oh, clientele... Fucking nightmare. No, that's right. Because you know, they, they, yeah. they, they say, oh, I'm in, a, I'm in a hurry. I need my mm. coffee in two to three minutes. And then they just yeah. sit at one of the tables for like half an hour after. It's like, yeah. uh, say what now? <laughs> yeah. It's, you almost can't call them clientele because they're not really repeating customers other than the people who work in the airport, but everyone... It's just like the world's worst person, every customer on repeat, yeah. right? It's crazy. And, and I hated it. Because, I mean, I always had a, a love for people, but, um, and the company that I worked for was a very corporate company and they had several establishments um, in the airport. But, um, yeah, having you worked at the airport, the hours are bad to start with. Mm-hmm. So you either work early mornings or you do nights and finish late at night. And, you know, I wanted to have my nights off, so I worked the early, early mornings. So you get there at four. And, Working at the airport is difficult because people are travelling um, and the customers come in massive waves. It's fluctuations. So it could be quiet for an hour and the next hour you have 2,000 people walk through the door all wanting to be served straight away. So It's a specialty coffee rule, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was no specialty coffee where I worked at the time. That was just, that was just hospitality and it was a crazy exposure to what hospitality is. So I started working on the floor. It took me nine months to get on the machine. Um, so working on the floor, and, and that was a task in itself. But you learn the ropes. You're, you're on the front line. You're in the trenches in that zone. You're literally you're, in the trenches. You know, uh, like you're, you're dealing with the Karens of the world that are just, <laughs> you know, that are just foul at you for even existing. Yeah. And, um, you know, they want their, they want their coffee, Julian. They want their coffee and you, you want to make their coffee and you want to sit them down, but the people who are in the cafe don't want to get up. So you got to find that balance and it's just, you know, as soon as the table opens up, get there, wipe it down, you know, make sure it's clean, get the customer seated. And it was crazy, crazy, crazy turnover. So, yeah, running the floor for three or four months, you just become this absolute machine. You learn how to, you know, polish a table and, and you know, plate away you know, crockery and plates into this big tub and, you know, smash out the whole venue in like two minutes. Eh? Every table is being cleaned. You've brought the, everything to the back. You give it to the dishy. Um, so it was crazy exposure, but it was good. I'm glad I had that exposure. So then eventually I made my way onto the coffee machine. And I finally got to see uh, and, you know, have a go at doing that latte art that... <laughs> my friends were doing at the time because that was all the rave. It wasn't so much. I mean, specialty coffee did exist, but we didn't use specialty coffee. It was just, 
Hey, if you can yeah. draw a three-headed hydra in a you know in a in a flat white cup, you're you're pretty cool. Exactly. There's mm. a competition for that. So, mm. um, so that's how I got into coffee. Um, that uh, answers your question. Well, well <laughs> you know, I, I I think and and what what was your first encounter with specialty? So, you, okay, you know, this is this is this yep. is coffee. It's at the airport. Mm. You're serving whatever. Um, you know, you, you know the the people are thinking, shut the fuck up with yep. my latte. Um. Where, where was your encounter with specialty? Did you have like a coffee that, like, where, how did you get into specialty? I, I got a job in specialty. So shortly after working at the airport, I was there for about a year. I eventually got a job in a, in a local cafe in Caroline Springs called Toscanini's. Uh, there I was able to continue, you know, progressing, not so much specialty coffee, but more so my latte art. But anyway, it was, a, it was more of a cafe environment where, where I actually started to enjoy working in hospitality and being a barista. So there I was pumping out sort of three, four hundred coffees in a day and, and that was fun by myself. There wasn't really a system, you know, you just make coffees as they come. Um, and there I got kind of, I got scouted um, uh, and I ended up working at Padre Coffee uh, when they Great had... Great Melbourne institution. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Shane Farrell. He's now at Slayer. You probably would know him. Seeing oh, as mate, I'm, 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 I'm old, man. <laughs> anyway, he was part of the, uh, the OG Padre crew. Um, and his wife at the time, I think her name was Tash, uh, she said to me, she was a customer, a, a regular customer at Toscanini's in Caroline Springs, and she said, oh, you know, I love the way, you know, you deal with customers and you, you present the coffee well, your latte art is great. How would you feel about, you know, learning more about coffee? And... I was like, yeah, absolutely. I didn't even know that this other world of coffee even existed. I didn't, I had no idea. Um, but eventually I said yes. And um, I had an interview at Padre with Shane. Uh, and he gave me the opportunity to, to work in the cafe, which was called the League of Honest Coffee, uh, corner of Exploration Lane and Little Lonsdale Street mm-hmm. in the city. Um, and that was my first exposure to specialty coffee. And that's when I'm like, I realized, wow, what a world. <laughs> So, you, that was that was when two thousand and eleven. Two thousand eleven, right? So, yeah. so you've been you've been working for you've been working in coffee for twice the amount of time that I have. <laughs> um, and so, what led you to start the the brew methods page? So, uh-huh. so yeah, without going to like, we, I'm sure you've got an extensive resume, and you're pouring a lovely drop of rosé, which Julian <laughs> brought in. It's called Jules on point with the name. Uh, so we had a we had a nice little chat before we started the podcast, and we're enjoying a little drop now. But so what? what so you you own the brew, you run the brew methods page, mm. the publication rather, yeah. and it's you know it's quite big now. It's, you know you like you're probably not going to admit to it, but mm. like you've blown up. So you know what led you to start that? And yeah, firstly, yeah. what led you to start that? Um, I don't really know to be honest. There's I don't think I can give you an answer. Did you, uh, did you have to psych yourself up for it? He was like, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I was, at, I was, was there any of that? A little bit. Yeah, I, definitely there was. I was at a point in my life where I was like, and this is when I had my, my little coffee store uh, out in the western suburbs. Oh, sorry. I neglected to ask you that. But no, no, we'll, get, we'll get back to that in We'll get back to that. Mm. So it was at the time when I had this coffee store um, and I was sort of kind of looking for... For, not for something else. I didn't know, had no idea what I really wanted to do. I wanted to stay in coffee, um, but I was sort of planting 
a few seeds at the time. Um, and one of the seeds I planted was brunettes. And I just decided I'm going to create, this is in 2016, I'm going to create this Instagram page called Brew Methods. This is going to be a little seed that I plant um, and I'm going to see, you know, in which direction it grows. Um, and it just happened to grow and grow and grow really, really fast. Um, and yeah, to sort of almost where it is now, really. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of how it started. It was you see, and this is what I like. I like a, a word I love to use is continuity, mm. and it's something I've really be a, been able to apply in my own life. And my greatest achievement to date is getting a university degree because I'm the first person on both sides of my family to get a degree. Oh, and congratulations! Oh, thanks, mate. But awesome. And you know, I did arts and would imagine journalism and politics. And you know, I I, w- I now work in the typical arts field of making coffee. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, you know, continuity is something I really battle with. Like I, I I'm someone that has all these ideas, but mm. don't often follow through them. With follow through with them. Mm. Um, and Sub Zero Coffee is the first one of the first examples where I'm just like, okay, well, you know, it's been a year since like you know, registered for the ABN and we're still going. We have yep. a store now. And, nice. Um, but I, I got to give a lot of credit to my boy, Todd Suter. Absolutely. Who, like, who just keep, he just keeps me going. It's great. And, you know, it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Todd. Really? It's his birthday oh, today. Happy today, birthday. Today oh. is Thursday, the November the 12th. Um, oh. And, you know, for anyone listening, like, he is the person, especially this year, who has kept me going. Like That's fantastic. He's just got this weird, sickening, unrealistic level of positivity around <laughs> everything. He's like, oh, mate, we can keep going. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, I, I credit us being alive still 100% to him. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, with you, though, what, what, what's been keeping you going for four years? Does, like, it's always good to have these ideas and start mm. them, but, it, you know, it's another thing to keep going and succeed in it. And that's what mm. you've... That you that that's what you've done. What's kept you going? Is oh. that you as a person? Is that you know? Did you have little sort of incremental success stories yeah. along the way? I Tell mean, me. absolutely. I mean, it was. I could sort of. I mean, I always had an idea for it, and that I wanted to do something big with it. Um, I didn't know exactly what, and I still don't exactly know where it's going to go. But I sort of. I always believe that it could could one day day work. Um, and I noticed that it was monetizing a little bit just through Instagram, through, you know, companies reaching out and, um, and wanting to, to use the audience to get a little bit of exposure uh, for their products. And I thought, wow, okay, this is a nice little bonus, but, um, but it could also be something a lot more. Um, and I always believed that, so I sort of kept going and I just kept, yeah, kept watering that seed, which eventually turned into a plant and it's now this huge plant which i'm starting to to prune <laughs> yeah and and yeah. so tell me like to me it's a little bit like there's a lot of things you do on that page and with the publication in general in a nutshell mm. what's your elevator pitch what is brew methods oh i wish i had a really good pitch for you mm. um and having you, know, you asked me this question I, I tried to come up with a pitch but i but i didn't want to talk out of my means um so i wanted to give you the honest answer and the honest answer is that i don't know exactly i can't give you the perfect pitch because it's still very much in its infancy yeah i think when it's when it's um 
you know, has a, more, a definite shape. Um, I could give you a better answer, but it's now still sort of taking form. But at the moment, what we are sort of doing is we're publishing content around specialty coffee, mm. uh, particularly around the niche of coffee brewing, probably leaning more towards filter coffee. Mm. That's essentially what we're doing. But there's a few different uh, ways that we do that. So the website features video tutorials on most of the popular brew methods. So for anyone interested in learning a particular method, for example, the Hari V60 or the Kalita, um, even a coffee siphon, um, you can literally click on coffee siphon um, and there I've, um, I've created a portfolio of a bunch of different videos on the coffee siphon which I found online. <laughs> on, a, on a siphon, mm. on, uh, just while we're on the topic of the siphon, <laughs> yes, uh, I was lucky enough to go to Belo Horizonte in Brazil in 2018 mm. where the Brewers' Cup was held, the ah. World Brewers' Cup, mm. and there, I believe it was the competitor for Malaysia, mm. came third wow. using a siphon. And siphons have, siphons <laughs> have been out of fashion for a, yeah in Melbourne for a, a, a few years now. Yeah. And, um, and this girl like oh, the name evades me and you know I, I, I had no plan on talking about this before we before we started talking about the podcast but the girl from Malaysia she came third wow. and she had an excellent routine using a siphon take it back absolutely it's it's one of the hardest brew methods to brew a good coffee with because oh, there's so much inconsistency you don't know what temperature your water is really and so many things can go wrong but you know funnily enough when I sat in the lecture of uh, uh, um to the 2019 World Brewers Cup champion, Du, what's her name? Du Jiang, Du Jiang from China. Yep. Um, that was her brew method um, in her previous years. She was using the siphon mm. and she never really had that success. And she, then, uh, you know, she used the origami. <laughs> I just, I just, I wish I could taste the winning. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm a liar because I did taste the winning Brewers Cup coffee from 2018 <gasps> from Emi uh, Fukuhori. It was uh, a, the Deterra Lorena. Oh wow! Uh, just it's just one of those coffees that like you take a sip and then you just want to sort of like I don't know, just like bang your head against mm. the wall repeatedly because it tastes so good. So good. <laughs> it's yeah. just so good. I love it. That's incredible. And I think she uses the Gina Dripper by Goat Story. I believe so. Yeah. Mm. Very that, interesting. That's the one where you can do the full immersion, switch to pour over. Yeah. You know the the one size it fits all. The yeah. Two for one meal deal. It's yeah, like. It's the multi-brewer of multi-brewers. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, on a side note, Matthew Winton, who works for Mame, Mame Coffee, mm. who who Emily Fukuhori part owns or works for oh. or whatever. Um, yeah. So he came and brewed that coffee for me here in Australia. <laughs> and um, my awesome. gosh, shout out to you, Matt, because that was excellent. Ah, oh, good. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing like a good coffee, eh? Uh, I... <laughs> I make a living out of it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. So, at what point? So, at what point did you think specialty coffee could, be, could become a career sort of thing? Mm. So, you obviously, I want to go back to your shop. So, yep. so from the airport mm. to working at League of Honors mm. Coffee, yep. Padre, you opened a shop. Mm, I did. Talk me through it. So, at, at, I guess at the point at where I realised it could be a career was probably at Padre because mm. I just discovered this world that. Coffee is not just cappuccinos and lattes. It is completely intricate. There are layers. The supply chain is phenomenal. 
know, the amount of work that goes into uh, a cup of coffee from seed to cup mm. is crazy. And having learned that um, and having seen the success of Padre, I was inspired, have very you, much inspired. Have you been to Origin out of curiosity? I No, I haven't. I hope one day you get to go because it's a, it's a very special experience. I very much look forward to the day. Yeah, it's, yeah. It'll be a blessing, 100%. Yeah, because there, there is a tremendous amount of work, and I'm sure we'll do a podcast almost mm. entirely on this subject mm. in the future, but I was lucky enough to go mm. to Bolivia and Brazil, and it's just like mm. it is phenomenal, and, and, and the work that goes into producing a single cup of coffee mm. is astronomical. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So back to your shop. So you um, – you, you, Caroline, was it Caroline Springs you opened the shop in? No, that was in Werribee. Yeah, yep, okay. <laughs> so Werribee, western suburb of Melbourne, the city yep. in which we are both situated. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, having worked at Padre, I sort of got inspired. Um, and for the following few years, I, I was hopping around different cafes in Melbourne, uh, working at West 48 in Footscray for a long time. Uh, and there I sort of uh, ran this little coffee stall inside a supermarket which was Sims Supermarket in Werribee, which is really cool. Uh, and we helped, I helped get that off the ground. I was there since the day one um, and I saw the success in that and it was crazy. Um, and, I, and the owners there of the supermarket had another store in Werribee and they said, Julian, you know, you're doing a pretty good job here. Do you want to give Werribee a crack? Um, and I saw that as an opportunity for me to now have a go at a business. Um, so, yeah. About six months later, we opened Daystarter Coffee in Werribee and that was a lot of fun. We were there for three and a half years. We were pouring, pouring cartel coffee roasters in, uh, in Werribee. We were doing pour-overs to the people of Werribee. So it was a really interesting experience and it was a lot of uh, educating customers. Well, yeah, we're taking mm. a peek into the field of demography now and if, mm. um, if I'm... You know, mm. that's a tough market to be selling, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, extremely high-end coffee to. And the, the guys at Cartel, let's give them a shout-out. They're doing mm. an excellent job, oh. source excellent coffee. And Absolutely. Um, uh, they, Malcolm, Nathan, mm. and Greg at Cartel, three of my favourite people on the earth. Mm. Incredible work. Great 100%. guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, sourcing excellent coffee. So, yeah, I, I guess, you know, selling... Sp- yeah, high-end specialty coffee for people, two people who really don't give a flying fuck about it is yeah. a bit of a challenge, right? It absolutely was. Not just for the back pocket, but um, just, I mean, even just trying to sell enough coffee. Um, so, yeah, you, you pay X amount of cof- uh, dollars for this high-quality coffee and you're trying to sell it to people who, who need to be educated on it and who probably won't buy your coffee unless they really appreciate it. So either that or they just love what we're doing and happy to support a, a local business. Um, but, yeah, it was a cool gig. Had some really cheap rent um, and we were there for three and a half years. So, uh, yeah, it was. I do not regret it at all. It was such a great learning curve into, into business especially. Um, so I can, you know, credit that part of my life to to where I am now 100%. And and this is this is a sort of hybridized question in a way. So, you know, drawing on your experience from that mm. and your experience in brew methods, mm. what were sort of the unexpected challenges that arose from, you know, being in business and doing your own thing because uh, in my own experience it's just like just 
these completely unexpected and left field headaches arise mm. that you just wouldn't expect to be an issue. Mm. Um, they they just come. So uh, absolutely. You know, so talk me through some of the ones, particularly with brew methods, the right. the, pa- the publication you run. Mm. Talk me through some of the challenges that have arisen from that. So the brew methods, um, the website. I decided that I'm going to do this by myself. So I big move. Big move. Um, you know, I I don't have a web design or web developer background, and I decided to to do it all myself. Um, what, 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 <laughs> what, what platform do you use to host? I use uh, to host? Yeah. You mean like, like the... Wix, Shopify... WordPress. 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 Okay. Which, is prob- which was probably a good move in the beginning because it's one of the bigger platforms and there's incredible amounts of support and resources uh, for WordPress because it's been around for such a long time. Um, but, oh man, there was... Because uh, websites are just... A, oh, like, I hate technology i'm like uh, i'm a neophyte with right. technology i i i just uh, like i'm i'm the worst nightmare mm. nothing gives me the shits more mm. than technology and we yep. originally hosted our website through wix and mm. you know it was it was good to if you wanted to do everything Wix mm. is a pretty good platform but mm. if you want to sell shit like we do we're selling roasted coffee now yep. and all sorts of stuff, and you want some, you go to subzerocoffee.com. Um, <laughs> yes. sh- we're, we're now on Shopify, and that's uh-huh. that's working pretty well. But working that stuff out and tr- particularly transferring from all the information and the, mm. the emails and all that sort of stuff, mm. absolute nightmare. There is so much work involved. It's not just putting text onto a web page. Um, building a website is is crazy so and if it's um, good too you got to refresh it you got to make it the optics are really important you you do and look just to give you a little bit of context so like it's not just putting text onto onto a web page it's making sure that that text will also get searched for so you need to make sure that you're using the correct you know h1 h2 headings um you know sorry so what does that mean so um heading one heading two basically, um, and that all affects the way your page ranks. So let's say, for example, I created my website, but I didn't put any of those headings in, you wouldn't be able to find me in Google. So headings is in what? Like the, the title of a certain... It, it is code for Google to say that this is the heading of a website. So Google is highly sophisticated and it reads your web page um, and by reading the heading, it can determine what your content is about. Uh, strap yourselves in, everyone, because I'm about <laughs> to learn a few things here too. Because, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's so intricate, so building the layout, you're understanding how text works, using the right amount of white space to make it appealing to people. What's ha- white space? White space is the gaps in between your text. Yeah. And so like just the space or sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, and, so. and, and I know you're probably thinking there's not much involved, but having something visually appealing, um, it takes a little bit of work and, and it I, takes a little bit of thinking. Well, I mean, you see, we have, um, we have a shareholder of Sub-Zero now is um, the gentleman, Ty Mason. Uh, have you I, met Ty? Whom I've met and he's indeed a gentleman. He, he's a gentleman, a very talented person as well. He's, he does all the design mm. and digital stuff for Sub-Zero Coffee, but... Um, before he did come on as a shareholder, he's someone I met at university. We both lived on campus together. I've known him mm. for a few years, but he did the menus for mm. our pop-ups that we oh, did at the start of the year. Awesome. 
And he explained to me that like reading is an experience that you need to make very comfortable for people. And yeah. he was like, because like I was just like, just dude, just get on the page, we'll, yeah, format <laughs> yeah. it, we'll go get yeah. it printed. I'm good. And yeah. he's like, no, you need mm. to have this adequately spaced yep. so that the reading itself is an enjoyable experience. Oh. Are you the same? Uh, you couldn't have said it better. There, you know, there's there's so much psychology involved with interpreting information, and the way you display that information is hugely important. Um, and it, we all have our own style of doing it. Um, but just taking that into account while you're building someone something is hugely important. So just and that's just white space, which is fairly simple. I mean, you, all you're really doing is pressing enter on the keyboard, mm. and that was the easy part of building the website. Um, but then you need to make it SEO friendly. So you need SEO to, stands oh, for sorry search engine optimization. Yep. So that you can be found on Google, um, and that is a field in itself. So I noticed when I search brew methods in preparation for this podcast, there's a brewmethods.com, there's a brewmethods.com.au. There is, yep. there is. And that was a bit of a, um, a bit of an obstacle that I've just had to, had to deal with, uh, with, with making brewmethods.com.au. You're more popular, but he's um, just got the good domain. Is that where yeah, it's at? Yeah, that's sort of where it's at. Mm. You know, this, uh, and, and I've been following it for years. It, it is, it's existed for a long time. Um, but there's no new content there. Mm. And, you know... Um, Have you approached them for the domain? Uh, yes. Yeah. They weren't willing to part. Mm. Um, but, uh, and that was part of my... Uh, that was a bit of a debacle for me in terms of you know, acquiring .com.au was, you know, do I want to go ahead with this? I, I've already had the Instagram page for four years and we've amassed a huge amount of following... So do I now want to continue with that name into the web or do I want to do something different? Um, and, yeah, I thought about it for a while and I thought they're not publishing any, any new content. They're not delivering value to people, um, which was what I was really planning to do. So I decided I'm going to take on that challenge and, um, and, and play the competitive ranking game. Yeah. And it, yeah. And so... so <laughs> Talk me through it. I'm, 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 again, I'm a bit of a, I, I, I don't know much about these things, mm. but so you, you mentioned search engine, engine optimization. That's right. So if someone Googles brew methods, mm. will brewmethods.com.au be the first listing on Google? Is that so, sort of where it's um, at? We're now first on Google in Australia mm. on mobiles. And the okay. funny thing is it's, it's different where you are in the world and it's different um, on the device that you're using. And so yeah. yeah, so you need to make part of SEO is making your page website friendly, um, and competing with a page that's existed for a long time is difficult because they have domain authority, which is a score out of a hundred, um, which you sort of uh, accumulate accumulate or grow through backlinks and just through existing for a long time. So that's that's a big challenge of mine, but. Mm. Um, that that brewmethods.com, it's it's one it's literally just a home page. They don't have any other pages. So now I'm not surprised that I'm now taking the number one ranking in Australia because mm -hmm. that's where most of the demographical audience is. Mm -hmm. um, As a percentage, mm -hmm. what would you say that is? Um, probably about last time I checked was thirty six percent. Okay, yeah. so it's not like the majority. It's I it, I mean no. uh, majority among countries, but like it's it's still the majority because mm. it's the highest score. But 
it's not you know uh, it's not a landslide mm. for example um, uh, yeah we rank fairly well in America mm-hmm. um, Indonesia as well um, and then sort of scattered across various parts of uh, Europe and the rest of the world it's a very sleek looking page Julian thank you thank you I've put a lot of uh, time into it a lot of time has this has this blown up a little bit during COVID as well like have you see, have you experienced like a bit of a um, you know because a lot of people are you know, on their laptops a bit more. Mm. Excuse me, got a bit of a burp developing there. <laughs> um, so a lot of people are on their laptops or yep. their phones a little bit more. Has it has it sort of uh, blown up this year? Absolutely. Um, and there couldn't have been a better time for me to launch the website. Um, right. So I mean, just for example, the Instagram we hit 100k during COVID, and that was and pre-COVID. What were you? Seventy. So all right. So that's yeah. All right. That's so that's a 30k jump in you know five to. Eight months or whatever, and, and, it was. and that could probably be attributed to much more screen time, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. I noticed, and and it's already gone down as people are going back to work. But mm. uh, I was, I think, I was averaging like two hundred and fifty to three hundred followers a day on Instagram, where it's now down to one hundred and fifty or so. Okay, um, yeah. So, so you obviously, so you obviously keep a track of your KPIs. This is, this is <laughs> language unknown to me. I, for anyone listening, I don't actually manage the Sub Zero. Instagram, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's, it's all Todd, isn't it? It's all Todd, <laughs> and and I don't have a personal Instagram anymore mm. because I I just I just really don't enjoy yeah. being on on social media anymore. Mm. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of things that happened this year that just made me think. You know, I've got a lot of dumb friends mm. um, <laughs> you know, that I uh, followed on Instagram, and I just I just I just really <laughs> don't want to know about their shit anymore. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of there's a I don't know. I'm a, personally, I think I'm a much happier being for it. Mm. I mean, and I'm a, I understand I'm an isolated case, but it works really well for me because Todd manages the Sub Zero Instagram page. It's worked out well. And if anyone tries to reach out for me, he'll just send me a text straight away. It's just <laughs> like, this is okay. perfect. And this is great. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but no, I totally feel you. It's, yeah, it can be really, really toxic, mm. uh, especially Facebook and, and Twitter, which I've recently jumped on. And to my surprise, Twitter is probably the most toxic of them all. Mm. So it's a digital soapbox for people where people, you know, uh, just call each other out. Um, anyway, so, but in saying that, it is also an incredible platform to drive business because, mm. because of Instagram, I was able to drive incredible amounts of traffic to my website. So in the first, so we started, the, lo- the website launched in June um, and we've had 60,000 page views in that time. And that's not a big number. Like mm. we're aiming for, you know, you know 100,000 a month. But, um, you know, uh, that number at the moment is certainly keeping the website sponsors happy mm-hmm. right now. So, uh, so it's, uh, let's, that, that's, mm. that's another thing to this. You have website sponsors. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that has, has that come about? Um, Obviously was, you just yeah. have the more people. So there's, there's data you can obtain mm. that you can sort of say to people, oh, this is, you know, these are my numbers. These yeah. are the ratings. You know, would you like to advertise sort of thing? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Right. Um, well, uh, yeah. Uh, and keep in mind, this isn't just a cash cow for you. You are delivering a service that people enjoy, and uh, oh, absolutely, the, the the idea of people coming onto the website is to to sort of fulfil that, so that, that they get something out. Of it. There's, a, there's a sort of unknown transaction of sorts 
Yes, mm. yes. Um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, web is an interesting space. You, there's no money in it unless you're advertising. So, yeah. and and it's not exactly free running a website. There are costs involved. You know, your you know, your email list costs uh, costs money monthly to web distribute the emails. To distribute the emails. I just figured this out the other yeah. day. You know, I'm trying to develop a sub-zero email yeah. list. And it all costs money. Yeah. I mean, having the website hosted costs money. My time costs money mm. because, you know, it's effort. Hours and hours of work that I put into, you know, ho- hopefully delivering high-quality content to people that people can benefit from and enjoy. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, so you know the sponsors make that worthwhile, but at the moment the sponsors um, that that money that is coming in, which is not a lot, um, but that is going into a into a savings account uh, where hopefully one day we can spend that money and hire some people, hire some writers, um, in, and to put out more content mm. to bring in more money, but. But to also bring on more writers, and you know, eventually, and, and ultimately, develop. you want to deliver a better publication, right? We do, and that's mm. exactly right. We like we're we're speaking in some 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 sort of back end stuff right now, but the, yeah. the ultimate aim is to. It is absolutely yeah. yeah it is to just deliver good content to people. Mm. Um, you want people to learn uh, while while they're using your website, and I think it's a I think it's a really good resource for people. And you know, had had it been around when I was learning how to make coffee, I would have probably very much benefited from such a, a free service. I mean, Barista Hustler, for example, well, that was, and that, what they do is fantastic. Mm. And their model is a little bit different. You know, they, they still monetize, but through a subscription mm. where, you know, you, you pay a monthly or weekly subscription and you have, uh, you have access to their content and to the research that they do. Whereas my publication... Rather than charging people to view it, it's all free for people. But the way to make that business sustainable is to advertise. Mm. Um, and, and I've taken a different approach with advertising. So rather than doing your typical banner ads, which I think, you know, uh, reduce the quality of your content because it's in the way and it gets annoying, we, I've taken a completely different approach and we are simply doing logo sponsorship advertisement. So I've created a, a logo showcase slider um, at the bottom oh, of every that. single page. Oh, I saw that. And you may have seen some of the sponsors. So we've got Aeropress, Origami, Mocha Master, Baratza, Lakale on board. <laughs> all, all excellent, excellent companies. Definitely reputable uh, companies in the web and, and, and I'm glad that they can see the value in what we're doing. Um, but uh, so we, we, we're sort of advertising, but I don't want to take away... From the user experience, I want the user to to have a really good experience, and ultimately become uh, a repeating uh, a repeating user. To how, come how do you keep tabs on that? Because like I watched a little thing the other day about Jeff Bezos, who is ah, the, yeah. the richest person <laughs> in the world, yes. uh, runs Amazon, mm. and he said he obsesses over the customer experience. Mm. Are you the same? Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the experience. Yeah. Uh, even with coffee and with what you're doing, you know. You're, you're giving people an incredibly unique experience, which is, you know, immersing yourself in a, in an, in a crazy coffee um, and appreciating the story, so, so this the work the, that goes into it. This, is for me, is very much breaking down the why and the how. So the why mm. for me is, it's not, the why for me is actually making people happy. Yep. 
the how is mm. blowing their fucking minds with coffee. Love it. So, yeah. like, the why mm. is the most important thing. Absolutely. You know, if you walk into Sub-Zero Coffee, Todd and I have got some absolutely terrible jokes to tell you. <laughs> you know, terrible analogies, <laughs> one-liners. We just, we're, we're just knocking them out all day. But the how yeah. is the coffee. Yeah. Are you sort of similar? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, it's... Uh, the why is because you know you wanna you wanna you wanna give you wanna educate people you wanna give them a free source of education so maybe I can start working some of these things into my mission statement but it's that sort of thing you're doing it because you wanna provide a service that people are gonna benefit from and the how is by providing that service in the best way possible and for me you know having being you know in, enjoying reading blogs. Um, you know, the ones that I enjoy most are the ones that give, you know, give you your answer as quick as possible. Have you read the Sub-Zero Top 50 at all? No. Oh, come on, mate. Got to give I it know, up. I know. Anyone, anyone reading this, we're, we're ranking the number one uh, uh, 50 to one. So tomorrow we will post the, the, the winner of the Sub-Zero Top 50, who I know, but Ooh. I'm not going to release just yet. Oh. But we've, 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 we've blogged, you know, the top 50 covers of the year. Uh, anyway, back to you. Back to me. Where was I? Um... Talking about blogs, do you enjoy reading the, blogs? The why and how, and, yeah, the, and the how is um, uh, doing it in, doing it in a way that people will enjoy, you know, <laughs> as as best as possible. Mm. Um, and I think that is by creating high quality content, which I hope I'm doing, and which I hope to continue doing, um, and by making that content free. Mm. Um, I don't think you know. I think education shouldn't be. I think it should be available free for everyone. I don't think you should charge for something like that. So if you can, if you can do that in a way where you can make it sustainable, I think that's the best way going forward because everybody benefits from that. It's going to improve the industry, which our industry is still very much, you know, so fragile, uh, and there's so many differing opinions that education is the way forward. This is a brilliant segue into what I was going to what I was going to ask next, which is, you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So what do you see changing into the future with respect to the specialty coffee industry? Absolutely. And if so, how? Because, you know, this is a pretty, I mean, no one saw this coming back in <laughs> at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's been a hell of a year. Your assessment of it and mm. where, where to in oh, the future? Crazy. And like, it's different everywhere in the world um, because everyone's been affected by, COVID in a different way. You know, some countries, um, the lockdowns have been more severe than in other countries. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so it's, and yeah, other, you know, there's coffee culture is also different in different countries. Um, so every, because it's in a way you're, you're, you're like, and, and this isn't, um, you know, to, to your, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to your detriment. You've sort of been a beneficiary of the situation because, you know, People are brewing coffee at home. Like Absolutely, the, the, the coffee industry is decentralized mm. in in many different ways, mm. and in that sense, people, you know, particularly in Australia, they don't want to do without their coffee. Absolutely. So they're oh. going to do it at home. They're going to find a way. Absolutely. And Australians find a way. Yeah, you know, the world yeah. finds a way to drink excellent coffee, and then so you know what do they do? How to brew coffee? Exactly. Brewmethods.com.au. Thank you for mm. the beautiful plug there, Kirk. Um, and you're 100 percent right. Um, yeah, it's changing and because people can't go out of the house and enjoy coffee in, in a cafe, 
they're going to find other means to do it. And most people are doing that at home. So we've seen a massive uh, push for uh, online sales of, of coffee, of coffee equipment. Um, and the supermarkets have also um, started to jump into the jump on the bandwagon. Um, and we've seen uh, a bit of a, a shift uh, of of customer clientele for certain companies in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It is what it is. You know, COVID, COVID's COVID. You know, we have to find ways to survive and you know, some people are uh, mm-hmm. making different directions. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the industry, I think, yeah, leading into the future post-COVID is definitely uh, a lot of people bring more coffee at home. It's a uh, it's definite. Is that something you'd like to see more of in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Empowering people to make better coffee at home. Absolutely. Because I think there's, you know, like I, I'm saying I don't want to throw shots, but what I'm about to say is about to throw shots at people. <laughs> um, a lot of cafes do a bad job. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and there's the myriad factors as to why that is the situation. Mm. And, you know, that could be, you know, business owners not wanting to spend money to train people properly or, um, you know, in fact, that's one of the main things that sort of permeates no, so many, to, uh, so many, to yeah. many different things. Yeah. But, um, you know, many people, given the content that is online, mm. you, know, you don't have to be a barista to make an excellent cup of coffee. Uh, in it, you know, you could be in a situation where, you know, you're making coffee at home far better than a coffee Absolutely. than a barista could at a cafe. Absolutely, mm. and it's it's a tough call because I want to see Australia's cafe industry thrive, mm. but at the same time, I want to see people brew more coffee at home because I think through brewing coffee at home, you you take more of an interest in what you're brewing. You become a little bit more mindful. You become a little bit more aware of what you're brewing and that coffee that you're brewing. So. It's it's a bit of a double edged sword, yeah. Um, and and yeah, having working for a coffee company at the moment that relies on customers who are cafe operators, um, you know, we want we want them to do more volume. Um, so it, it's a it's a tough call. And how how do you solve that? Well, problem? it's it's interesting because I like in in the work that I'm doing now is that right now we're not really selling like we had. When when COVID when we went into the stage four lockdown, which is pretty much we we're we're both situated. Reminder: we're both situated in Melbourne. Mm. Um, during this lockdown, we were lit, we were only permitted to leave our house for one hour a day, mm. um, which was one of the most excruciating things I'll have ever lived through. Yeah, and that got me into a mental position, which pretty much stopped me being able to make this podcast. Yeah. Um, and so you know we won't go into that just now, but. Um, so that's the situation we're in. Mm. And, um, yeah, you know, empowering home brewing. So leading this back to what, what we were just talking about is that, like, people, like cafes, the nature of cafes in Melbourne, that, you know, personally I think there was a bit of a crisis looming before COVID began. Mm. Yeah, and this may exasperate it. And there's a wage subsidy in place in Australia that's sort of keeping a lot of businesses mm. afloat. Once that's removed, you know, there could be all hell could break break loose. Mm. But there is a cohort of people in Australia 
that have become far more interested in brewing excellent coffee at home mm. and are willing to pay for it. Mm. They love their coffee. Mm. We had um, we had uh, a gentleman who uh, plays cricket for Australia, Adam Zampa, on the podcast, mm. and this is just one example. But he's someone that you know really loves wherever he's going, brewing excellent coffee, mm. and that's like a bit of a situation brewing. Uh, you know what? A, what? A, what a pun for the, for this analogy <laughs> for for this topic. Um, a lot more people um, I've noticed, particularly young men. Um, you know, we're very mindful at Sub Zero of trying to sort of appeal to everyone of every gender and 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 every walk of life. But I, I don't know in Australia, particularly young men seem to be taking an interest in brewing coffee yeah. at home. Can you can you add anything to that? Uh. I don't know what to say. Like, and um, people want to buy frozen doses because we yeah. had these frozen dose packs for specifically that lockdown I just mentioned. It was it was a, it was a, co- a pack that was going to get you through mm. a lockdown. So yeah. the idea of freezing coffee is that you know it doesn't degrade in quality. Um, you know, you can once you pull it out and brew it, it's it's the exactly the same quality as it yep. was. You know, the year or two before that it was roasted. So yeah, mm. and I love that. Maybe it's. Maybe it's because I maybe coffee is a predominantly male dominated industry. Which Do you think that could be part of the reason uh, why? I look, mean, I'd love to see more women in coffee. Look, and mm. and let's be being honest, mm. it is a male dominated industry, mm. and I'd love to see that change. Mm. Um, I think there's a and there's there's even been a lot of sort of empirical evidence to suggest that the more diversity in any industry makes it stronger mm. because you're appealing to more people. So that's that's the financial aspect of it, but also mm. just you know the the social aspect of it is that it's more inclusive. Yeah, and I will be the first to admit that coffee is very much a dick fest. Yeah, and I'd love to see it change. Yeah, and I'm very hopeful to see that change in the future. And there's there's a bit of hypocrisy in that because I'm part of a company where the ownership is three three mm. men. Yep, but there's a lot of work to be done in there. There is, mm. there is, and I think the first, uh, the, the first stage of, of changing that is by admitting to ourselves we need to do more, and and being open about it, and being active about it, um, saying you know there is a problem, let's get more women into this industry. What does that mean in practice, though? So, like, I'm, well, I'm also asking myself this question, but it's one thing to say it; mm. it's another thing to do it. Yeah. So what does that mean in practice for anyone listening, for anyone who has a cafe, for an owner of a cafe? Yeah. What could that mean in slightly and not in the sense that you need to just just grab a grab a woman and make her a token woman or, you know, a grab a person of colour or grab a person of a certain sexual what religion, whatever. Like and not making them the token person, but actually uplifting them. Yeah. What could that mean in practice? I don't know. I mean, how how do you how do you make a person feel valued and feel feel good mm. what what do you do well I, I mean i guess it's a very tough question and back when i was in a position to actually make a difference back when i was at saint ali we sort of recognized the problem i've got to credit the 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 human resource manager mm. at the time jessica price who awesome. sort of said to us um you need to hire you know yeah you've got one woman out of a team of 10 yeah you need to hire more people. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's just like, and, and it's not. A, it's not actually an issue of there's a lack of talent. Mm. No, there is. There's plenty of talent out there. It's yeah. it's probably the lens in which That's I right. in which I see things. And and coffee for for context is a very 
tough industry to be in mm. because part of your job is copying abuse from customers. Yeah. Part of your job is working in very dynamic environments mm. and um, I'd have to say to my own detriment, um, there might have been a time where I thought that certain women weren't equipped with mm. the skills to deal with mm. that. But, you know, three years on, I couldn't be more wrong. Yeah. Because the person that succeeded me was a very strong woman by the name of Lenny Condidaris. She's a, she's she was the two I see um, at Saint Ali, and you know, terrific, terrific yeah. person. And I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong. Absolutely, yeah. Just, this isn't a know, subject we plan to talk about. Either. We no, not at all. Mm. But it's a good topic because I think it's it definitely needs to be discussed. Um, so just giving giving more opportunities to to women. Mm. Um, and not not by discriminating, so you can't, you know, put in your job title or your job advertisement that we're hiring women only because that's discrimination. But you have to you have to somehow do it. You you have to give them the opportunities. And I think um, I think there's 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 a there's a pretty pertinent conversation going on in the Australian political field is that yeah. we don't have enough gender representation in that's parliament. Right. And, that's right. Um, and. In Australia, we're particularly bad at in mm. in that respect. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's something that a lot of people would think you you should not indoctrinate sort of children with. Mm. But honestly, I think this is something that we should start teaching kids from a young age. I think so too, because mm. you know, I think a lot of what you uh, become to be as an adult stems from your childhood. Um, and I've always believed in early education um, and early information uh, as a way to to creating a better society, a more educated society, a more civil society, and a more um, uh, equal society. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and someone that there would, you know, people listening to this, there would have to be some who would think that, who disagree with what you and yeah. I are saying. Um, and there is an element to this of not being sort of arbiters of sort of things, so not making an arbitrary decision mm. to sort of mm. you know, intervene in someone's, in someone's thinking, yeah. um, which of course you don't, you, you, you wouldn't want to, which you wouldn't yeah. want to do. That's right. um, but I, in a term of, in with respect to morals or ethics. Mm. I, it's not right. Mm. And I think that's where it comes down to the education. So mm. had that person been educated from an earlier age, they would be able to, you know, have the uh, be able to make that decision and say this is not right, or they they would have that moral, that better moral judgment to be able to say this isn't right, and um, you know we need to change our ways, or yeah, just do the right thing. Mm. And it brings me great pleasure to highlight as well that the last two World Brewster champions are both females. And the last two World Brewers Cup champions are both females as well. So fantastic! We're all we're obviously seeing progress in in that sort of absolutely, and, and I hope that serves as inspiration for lots of young women in the industry as well. Absolutely, yeah. Keep it going; it's great. Well, we've been going for an hour and twelve minutes now, so Have we're we? gonna yeah. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun, hey? <laughs> it does. So, <laughs> I'm going to ask you: What does the future hold for the Brew Methods publication? Where Where ah. do you see it going? Where would you like to go? Talk me through it. Obviously, we want to grow. Um, so, in order to grow, um, we'd love to continue um, publishing content. We, mm. I'd love to 
publish more content. That is something that I want to work on. Um, and to do that, we want to bring on some more writers. So I'd eventually like to um, you know, do five articles a week. Mm. That's sort of what we're aiming for. Mm. We'd love to, uh, to do YouTube um, because you know, um, video is king nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a great way for people to learn. Um, it's accessible. Um, so we'd love to get into YouTube as well. Um, we don't do so much research at Brew Methods, so we tend to more sort of report on on the coffee industry and things that are happening. So maybe you know, if if there are the if we have the resources, would be to carry out some of our own research um, and experiments in coffee. That would be awesome as well. Love that's to something. That's something I'd love to see lots more companies pour money into because yep. you know, rather than sort of build grand cafes and stuff like that i like mm. to see people pour more money into research absolutely and because and, and i know uh, uh james hoffman did that world's great world's biggest cupping uh yeah. coffee tasting session um and donated all the money to world coffee research which is a fantastic initiative how great is that uh, very great and more work needs to be done there because we're so if you compare us to wine like you know a lot of effort and money is put it poured into the wine industry because it's such an exportable mm. um you know product where in and coffee is a bit more difficult because yep. you know once it's roasted you've got a very quick time frame unless That's you right. freeze it um, <laughs> to to sort of to sort of stop that process but mm. yeah you know research and innovation is something i'd love to see a lot more of in coffee absolutely mm. definitely something we'd love to put more resources towards uh maybe running some more public events that would be really cool um and maybe even creating some products down the track so, look, I've got a bit of a neat idea on uh, on a coffee product. I can't say what it is oh, because Jules, there's, tease, there's someone out there who's going to say, oh, that's good, and, and then go and make it okay. before I can. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely on the horizon. So definitely, you know, just putting out more content in YouTube, that's on the, that's on the top of the priority list at the moment. Excellent. Mm. We're going to finish up in a moment. Cool. One question I try and ask everyone. Yeah. What is the best coffee you've ever had? You can give me like a one, two, three. You can give me the okay. best milky. You can give me the best espresso, mm-hmm. best filter, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to give me so something, Julian. You probably know I love filter. So the three answers I'm going to give you are going to be filter coffees. Yep. Hit me. Uh, the first one would be, and maybe you've had some of this coffee, but it's it's a Janssen coffee. From oh. Janssen oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and it is uh, it's Panama Geisha mm-hmm. um, from Jansen Family Farm, which is in the Western Highlands. So the Highlands of Western Panama. Do you remember the lot code? One one nine. I've got that on. We've oh my goodness, we've got that on the menu at Subject Coffee right what's, now. And what's the pro, what process is it that you have? Natural. Yeah. Anaero- natural anaerobic. anaerobic natural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It would have been the same coffee, just a different harvest. Yeah. So that was a ninety hour. Uh, um, we've got like two doses family. left. So, oh my god, you know. phenomenal coffee, and you know, roasted by uh, the ben, one, the only Ben Tuvi Benjamin. However, Tuvi. our beloved roaster at the Carle. But I also want to throw some credit to Pat Connolly, who is was Ben's coach at the 2018 World Roasting Championship. Does you know, he roast some fire? Yeah, he, he's a very humble guy, Pat. He is very humble. He's his knowledge is just unbelievable. 
as mm. is Ben's. Mm. But um, what those guys can do with a raw coffee bean is like what in uh, let's well, not well, go there. It's well, well just it's just juicy. Just just to uh, remind or sort of enlighten people on is that Ben too roasts the coffee for Sub Zero mm-hmm. coffee. So yep. we're and Lacale too. And He's our and coffee co- roaster. Coincidentally, for Lacale too, <laughs> very very good roaster. As is Pat Connolly. And yep. um, you know, talking to those guys, um, you know, just the amount of work they do. That like I love people that take such pride in their work. Mm. And you know, coffee roasting is one of those things that people probably don't realise, but there are definitely sort of elder statesmen in that sort of Absolutely. game. And, Absolutely. And, and Ben and Pat fit well into that category. They've been doing it for so long. Mm. They've been doing it so well. And yeah. working with them is just one of the, the best things because I just always get the best coffee ever. It's, it's just incredible. Mm. Some of the things that they do blows my mind. Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, we're brewing with, you know, this kind of water. Can you give us a good roast profile? And they'll have the answer. They'll, they'll know what to do. It's, it's, yeah. it's silly. It's, it, yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't be, you know, no. done. But it they shouldn't do be it. done. Mm. It should be illegal. Lock them up. I'll, I will. If I, if, <laughs> you, know, you give me the power and I will. And, yeah. you know, I'll just, I'll just force them to roast coffee for me. Um, mm. But, all right, so you've got Finger Jensen 119. Finger, yeah, 119. Um, incredible coffee, which I used at Brewer's Cup. Um, so, yeah, my all-time favourite coffee. It was just mind-blowing. Second coffee um, would probably be, and I, all I did was cup this coffee, but it blew my mind, um, and it was the 90, it was the 90 plus Percy. However, oh. from, but it was roasted by Momos. See, we had that at what, our pop-up at the there start of the year. Yeah, and look, I've had, I've had that coffee roasted by other people, and I wasn't that, you know, I, it didn't blow my mind. But that day that I cupped it with... Roasted by Momos, who are in Busan, South Korea. There you go. Um, I was like, wow. See, the, the funny story about um, Momos coffee. I went there when I was in Korea last really? year. Really? Yeah. So oh. um, I went on a little, uh, once I finished up at St. Ali, I went mm. on a little holiday. I went mm. to Japan, Korea, and New Zealand just to sort of, you know, I went on, well, went on a little tour just to yeah, sort right. of, I, I, needed a, I needed a holiday. Mm. Um, you know, it confused a lot of people when I went in there and ordered like five coffees. They're like, uh, "Are you okay?" <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, you know, I love my coffee, but I'm also a glutton. You know, I just, <laughs> I just consume far more food and beverage than I really need to. Um, and so, like, are you, uh, mate, are you okay? Um, you know, of course, in Korean. And um, oh, that's good. so, yeah, I've I've had that very coffee. Mm. And one observation I'll make about it is it, it's it's very and I wrote about this in the latest instalment of the Sub Zero Top Fifty is that it's like it smells very uh, abrasive. Yeah, the aroma is very like it. Some people would find it unpleasant. It is it's a bit yeah. of a room splitter, mm. but amazingly complex. Yeah. Um, when I had this coffee was in 2019, um, and. I think that was the only time I really enjoyed it. Mm. And and you're right about that uh, that really pungent aroma that it has. Even the flavour, mm. aroma is flavour. But, mm. you know, um, having, having cupped that coffee the first time, it wasn't as intense. I don't know what's happened. Maybe Momo's just did an incredible job on the roast. Um, since I've had it since and it hasn't been as 
crazy because it the, when I had it, it just blew my. Soul. Well, this this is this is drawing back again to you know what we we're just talking about roasting is that some companies yeah. and or people do it much better than others and yeah. so you know obviously momo's really unlocked the flavor potential of that coffee and it was just stunning it was just magic you know, one of the one of the you know one of the best coffees i've ever had in my life and just like it's one of those ones where you drink it and you know you just yeah it's in, it's just like an interstellar experience you're just like what Absolutely. is happening well you know oh, yeah. like i'm asking what year is it when i'm drinking it it's crazy it's unbelievable mm. and that's what I love about your business model is that you give people those experiences and, you know, frozen coffee allows you to do that. Um, and that's why I interviewed you for an article on Brew Methods because it's such a cool thing to be doing. I think it's partly the future of coffee um, or the fourth wave, if you want to call it that. Um, it's obviously not a fad, neither is fermenting coffee. Um, so yeah, you know, hats off, hats off to you. For well, well, thank you, mate. But you know, we do what we do is the easy part, and that's you know, true. The people who are at the farm and the people who are roasting it, mm. they're doing the hard work. Yeah, you know, some of these coffees are just so good they make themselves. Mm. Like mm. you know, we just we just store it and allow and provide <laughs> access to people. But the honestly, the, the coffees like that, um, you know, that's just it's 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 such a. Ge- Good coffee does not happen by chance, as you would well know. Absolutely. Um, you know, people craft that at origin. And, mm. you know, to put into context, you know, people in Central America are enduring Hurricane Eta, I think it's called right now, which mm. is a um, very substantial storm that's, you know, wreaking havoc across Central America. Um, so just by chance, uh, a year earlier, these people are producing 90 plus, run by Joseph Brodsky, are producing these excellent cups of coffee. It's making its way to Busan, South Korea, wow. with, and they're just doing you know the most incredible job roasting it, and you know very few roasters really do yeah. a good job. Like right. I'd say one in a hundred roasters oh, are good. I agree with you. Um, and um, and then it makes its way to our store, and you know you've got people like Todd Suter brewing it, and yeah. you know people who have helped us out at our um our pop ups like Haney is that from Honor Coffee and. And, and Connor Tigwell, who are, you know, very close friends of mine, but also just immensely yep. competent Absolutely. coffee brewers. Um, you know, it takes all of that to unlock, you know, yeah. a truly excellent cup of coffee. It does, you know, and, you know, not to, d- don't discredit yourself. Like, you know, what you do is incredible. And um, it's it's all part of the, that big picture. Um, you know, it's, yeah, a, a lot of the work happens at farm and, we should never discredit that. You should never discredit yourself as well. Oh, Julian, because you're too kind. You're keep too pushing kind. the industry, and I think it's it's a fantastic thing. Well, number three, the, the third oh, one. The, the third one. Third. Look, there's a few thirds. Mm. We've had some amazing coffees at La Cale, mm. for example, which you may have had in your lineup too, mm. having purchased from our roaster Ben Tuvi. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you had the Carmo Best Cup. Satita Pedra. Yeah, number one. Of course one. I have. Number one. You've oh, had of course one. I have. I've got all the menu right now. Oh, there you go. Well, See, Brazil is one of those countries which I think is um, unfairly, unjustly, yes, underrated. Oh, so yes. and um, I don't know how. It, like people just think it's you know a coffee that you yep. put in blends, but um, you couldn't. You could not be more wrong because Brazil is producing some of the most complex cups of coffee. If you know. 
if you're not thinking Brazil is within the upper echelons of of the best coffees you've ever tasted, you, you just haven't found it yet, or you're not looking. Absolutely, up it's just incredible, and we're very fortunate to be able to have that coffee in our lineup at La Cale. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. What they're doing there is, you know, you, you'll drink. Uh, if, if you if no one told you the origin of this coffee, you wouldn't say it is Brazilian, and that's what I love about it. It's wow, this is a Brazil coffee. This is what they can do there. It's just mind-blowing. And it, it, it sort of brought, uh, brings back home what we were talking about before, which is that uh, back in 2018 when mm. I was in Brazil, mm. the Brewers' Cup was won by Emi Fukuhori, who mm. used a Brazilian coffee. She did, okay. Which was produced by Deterra, which ah. is a very innovative producer in, um, I think the region is called Cerrado in Brazil. And they are really doing some incredible work with fermentation. And I did a cupping that was exclusively of Deterra Lots when I was at that Brewers Cup. And I was just like, it just kept getting better. Wow. Like you were just awesome. cupping and it was just like, you wanted to do backflips. It was so tasty. <laughs> and then I was in, I was lucky enough to go to Munta Chakira, which is where that Satita Pedro was produced mm. uh, oh, wow. by Carmo Coffee. So met Louise Palo and was able to go oh, to did. that region. It's incredible. And again, like, you know, your eyes just roll to the back of your head when you're cupping those coffees out of origin because they're just so goddamn good. I don't know where all those best coffees go. I think they, you know, Salt to the highest bitter, you know. That's right. Yeah, and, they just salt to the highest bitter. <laughs> and that could be anywhere in sort of Asia or Dubai. So I really don't know where those mm. coffees ended up, but they are the best coffees in the world. We just don't know about them because we can't yeah. get them. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they cost, we, you know, thousands of dollars. <laughs> they do. And yeah. we need to keep buying those coffees because mm. it's, yeah, it's good. You know, we're, Mel- we're in Melbourne. Mm. We need to. We need to buy the good coffees because mm. the, there's so many coffee drinkers here. So constantly educating people well, but people yeah. people are paying hundreds of dollars for a bottle of wine why not why not for coffee absolutely come on absolutely live a little exactly mm. but there is another coffee that blew my socks off Talk and, to it. and this one you may not have had have you heard of riverdale estate in india yes you have cartel are doing a lot of that they are right? so, so the producer Mohan, yep. yeah so whom i've you know met many times um and for a you know, pleasure to be a friend with him but uh, and, and thanks to Nathan from Cartel, you know they've done some awesome things there uh, at Origins. So and Indian coffee also highly underrated. And I love all coffees that are highly underrated. When you get mm. a one that blows your socks off, it's crazy. But uh, this coffee that I had back in the cafe a long time ago, and this was when people were sort of just starting to experiment with fermentation. I think it was it was probably 2015 or 2014. So probably just leading up to when Sasha won. The World Barista Championship, but basically that being they Sasha Sestik of Honor Coffee, yeah, of course, you know, and also Project a, Origin, and you know, also of Serbian descent, if I'm correct, correct. Yep. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, him and I had a very interesting conversation about this uh, some time ago when I interviewed him for one of our articles. But anyway, um, so this coffee from India, they they did a 72 hour full cherry in the bag fermentation. So this is before they used you know uh, pressurized you know, carbon dioxide flush containers to control every single uh, variable. You know, For anyone wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about anaerobic or carbon carbonic maceration fermentations. So, yeah, so uh, carbonic maceration refers to the, 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 the pressurised containers that winemakers use in order to control variables during the fermentation. Typically so done in the Beaujolais region of France, if I'm correct. 
I actually don't know. Method <laughs> Beaujolais is the is the term. To is it really? It. Yeah, so it's, it's a wine processing te- ah. wine processing technique originally. Ah, awesome! Mm. There you go. I've learned something today. But uh, yeah, they control things like humidity, temperature, the exact amount of oxygen. They know exactly how much is in there, and things like that. So what Mohan did with Nathan was they they just put some coffee in a in a grain pro bag. And they locked that away for 72 hours. And what that did to the coffee was incredible. And this Indian coffee that we had uh, from the Chevroy Hills of India um, turned out to taste like Skittles. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So that blew my mind. Um, and that was, that was a memorable experience because it was the first time I had an Indian coffee that was not Indian. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah. I, like uh, I, I, I refer you... I would refer you to a coffee we had on our menu from Myanmar, which is sort of, you know, ticks many of the same boxes, yeah. like an underdog coffee producing region that just like you wouldn't suspect is producing such such excellent coffee, but absolutely is. Yeah. And this coffee was roasted by um, Toby's Estate and oh, just awesome. like a really, really excellent, yeah. excellent lot. And, um, you know, I really hope that we can sort of appreciate those coffee producing regions because there's, Every coffee producing country and or region offers something different mm. and we can, you know, before you die, you just have to taste it all, really. Absolutely. And There's no way to better say it, really. Th- yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, I say that to many people, like, you got to try this before you die. But Julian, <laughs> we've, we've been going for a solid one hour and 30 minutes, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Awesome. But, you know, it's been absolutely lovely to have you on. Oh. <laughs> um, it's been, it's so good to have the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast back it is um you know and i'm so glad you're the first guest back and you know i look forward to many in the future but i wish you all the best with the brew methods page and everything you're doing at locale thank you um quick shout out to sponsors this uh, sponsors of this podcast which would be slayer espresso making coffee better and river and a fresh because it's not fresh unless it's river and a fresh but as always everyone please stay cool